Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Abigail Kogrubin. Raphael Sparge has been a working actor for more than five decades. Growing up in New York City, he began working at age four and a half on Sesame Street. He's been on Broadway five times, appeared in many films, including Risky Business, My Science Project, and Independence Day. He will be seen in the new Universal film, The Exorcist, with Ellen Burstyn, which opens October 6, 2023. Raphael is an Emmy-nominated director, and his recent feature film, which we're going to be talking about today, is quite beautiful, quite powerful, and it is called Only in Theaters. Welcome to the theater. Is cinema done? Movie theaters dead. What the hell is going to happen to movie theaters? I hadn't heard of the Lemley Theater chain. As soon as my wife and I moved here, it became second nature. I know people will ask, well, who are they? They're the premier art houses in the city. They are number one in that. The theater business for a while just did nothing but make money. The rise of television crippled Hollywood. The other theaters had all closed during the early 50s when television hit. I don't know if it'll ever come back the way it was. Of the, uh, for the How many movies am I going to go see this year? Probably yeah. two. Some call it the great art of the 20th century. The Lemley Theaters have always been a bastion of that great art. Max was the key person in making foreign language films available and accessible. The French New Wave found its home here. They show movies the AMC won't show. If you're from a place where there's no movie theater, the opportunity to see these films in a space like Lemley becomes pretty monumental. We've been feeling the pressure of the streaming systems. The Southern California theater chain may be up for sale. I would be devastated if they sold it, I have to be honest. Where am I going to go to see these types of movies? Let's remember that the movie theater is kind of a sacred experience for all. If the film theaters disappear, the entire ecosystem is undermined. How much sacrifice is required, you know, in, in pursuit of the thing that you love? International public health emergency. Movie theaters will be closed to the public. You feel silly and stupid worrying about things like getting movie theaters open when everything else that's going on in our country is going on. Oh my goodness! Will enough people want to go to theaters to make the theatrical business still viable? TV, home video, cable, DVD, 4K. We've been having the same conversation for 125 years. Take everyone you know into a theater, shoulder to shoulder. The experience of a movie in a theater. That's when the heavens open. We're always going to want, in some level, that experience of, of sitting in that movie theater. I'm going to believe that people are going to come back to that. It's opened already to 80-plus theaters around the country to great critical acclaim. But you can watch it on Amazon in the comfort of your home and on DVD, distributed by Kino Lorber. We will put that on the screen. Raphael is joined by Greg Lemley. He is the CEO of Lemley Theaters, a group of family-run art house movie theaters in the Los Angeles area, established in 1938 by Greg's grandfather and great uncle. Max and Kurt Lemley were German Jews who escaped Nazi Germany and came to work for their cousin, Carl Lemley, the founder of Universal Pictures. Max is credited with bringing foreign film to Los Angeles and was awarded the French Legion of Honor for supporting the French New Wave. Greg is a member of the Academy of Motion Pictures, a rare honor as a theater owner for his lifelong commitment to supporting the art of filmmaking. Welcome to the broadcast, Raphael and Greg. It's great to be with you. Thank you for letting me call you by your first names. And full disclosure, Rafi and I, which is why I call him Rafi, knew each other when I was 
literally 12 years old. And we went to the same school, a very progressive school in the Upper West Side called Walden, which sadly doesn't exist anymore. But it shaped us, Rafi, don't you think? There is no question. There is no question. Yeah. We had a lot of confidence in our ideas, but we couldn't write a thesis sentence. <laughs> or add or subtract, but hey. Or add or subtract, but hey. Um, so this is a beautiful film. It's an important film. And Greg is at the centerpiece of it. But before we introduce him, Rafi, you, it's your vision. Why, why did you make this film? Can you give us a little bit of a sense of the story? Right. So the film is about a family business. Uh, the family business in this case uh, is a business that runs, in this case, a movie theater that's been an art house movie theater that's been there since 1938 with ties back to the origins of Hollywood. Um, Greg, uh, who is the CEO of Lemley Theaters, uh, is in this case um you know, when I, as a filmmaker, had wanted to, had made a film, uh, you you want to show your film in a theater, um, no matter how many, you know, films that exist on streaming. The fact is that it, film doesn't really feel like a film until it's been in a theater. And so I had, had interactions with Greg um, as, you know, trying to sort of screen my films. And, and those interactions were uh, remarkable. And I was also then taken by this wall, uh, which is a wall put together by this wonderful artist named Viva Sullivan in, in the in the lobby of one of the theaters. And it really speaks to this incredible legacy and family um, that uh, really moved me and captured me. Uh, my family were- And just to uh, make clear, just to pause, Greg yes. is, is a descendant in the line of Lemley's um, where there is this sort of cinematic history. Can you just give us a sense, just because I don't think people realize what does that look like that a family has theaters over, over generations? Right. We speak to this in the film. The, the, there has been a Lemley in the movie business since there's been a movie business. Uh, you know, Greg's cousin, uh, it third was cousin, Carl. First cousin once removed, third removed. Okay, very good. Uh, third cousin once removed was Carl Lemley, who started Universal Pictures, an amazing story of a man who basically, uh, you know, escaped the Edison Trust, came to Los Angeles, bought a bunch of farmland, um, and started a, a movie studio, Universal Pictures. Um, his uh, his his passion was also for his home country, which in this case was Germany, and he was responsible. He was sort of a Schindler of sorts. He brought. 350 people um, sponsored them uh, and brought them to America. Some remarkable people, uh, including, uh, you know, uh, Greg's family members, Max and Kurt, who were cousins, and then really started this uh, this movie chain that's had this outsized influence. And and if we can go to you, Greg, on this, do you remember as a boy, was this just, was the movie business always in your DNA? Was it kind of always at the at the dinner table, how did you absorb growing up around film? Yeah, it was just a constant presence. I mean, you know, I tell the story about my mother nursing me while she was working the box office at one of the theaters. So, and that's that's a true story. So um, I, I don't think you can get more connected, you know, from the very beginning to, to the fact that this is what your family does. And whether it's, you know, being invited to screenings of, you know, whatever new, kid movie is coming out or I remember my father driving me to school in the morning, there would be reels of trailers on the front seat of the car, uh, you know, um, cause he trailer, was like movie trailers, like movie teasers. Trailers, the actual film clip at that time It's before it was digital. And so you'd just see all this stuff around you. Um, and then older siblings, of course, working in the movie theaters, 
uh, for their first jobs and the And were these films always a little bit off the kind of commercial mainstream? Were they always a little arty? I don't know. In in their early decades, were they called art films? Yes, I mean they were. They were definitely called. They were art films, foreign films. One of my first film going experiences that I remember is going to see Francois Truffaut's Small Change. Um, you know, as a subtitled film. So, it was, you know, as soon as we could read, we were seeing foreign films. <laughs> and then when you're raising your three sons, your three sons, am I right? And they're in the documentary in a wonderful way. They talk about how their birthday parties were in the movie theater. They thought that was kind of par for the course. Yeah. Yes. Doesn't everybody have a movie theater that they can have their birthday party in? But um, yes, we were bringing our kids, uh, showing the movies at a, at a very young age and trying, and, and you know, and, and trying to, um, diversify that a little bit. So I definitely remember when taking my kids to see uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon and their friends and seeing that as a subtitled film um, and, and other pictures. And so, Rafi, when you started to do this documentary, did you know that the business was in trouble? Did you know that there was there was this kind of inflection point for Lemley Theatres where there it might be existential? I, I didn't. I was really captured by this family story, by the legacy story, um, and and an opportunity to perhaps give uh, bring light to something that was um, remarkable. That's a family business dedicated, in this case, to supporting artists. I mean, here we are. You know, now, uh, you know, in the in in. in as we're moving away from, you know, strike conditions, um, you know, the strike was this David and Goliath story of artists against multinational corporations and, and the Lemley theaters and the Lemley family have dedicated themselves specifically to artists, to, you know, foreign independent um, and, and documentary film and have been sort of a, uh, in many, in, in many ways, kind of the voice in at the center of the of the movie industry in Hollywood, and I've had this huge sort of transmission effect as a result of it. But just the the generosity and and the family mission being about artists was unique and what really pulled me in. So, Greg, this the the documentary, the film opens with a Shabbat dinner, um, and since we're speaking on JBS, that's going to speak to our viewers. Um, I was very moved by it because it, it seemed like this is just, you know, your daily life, your weekly life. Um, it's the rhythm of your family. Um, and before I talk to Rafi about why he chose to open the scene that way, can you just talk a little bit about how Judaism interweaves um, in your, I guess, in your head and your heart? It, well, we're definitely, look, we're a Jewish family. We've never tried to hide that or deny that. Um and um, as much as movies have been a you know presence in my life from the very beginning, the idea of being part of the Jewish community was present. I mean, uh, you know, a few within ten years of my family being in Los Angeles, my grandfather's uh, you know on, on the board of the uh, the, Bra the Brandeis Institute at that time, which was an organization that uh, Shlomo Bardeen started uh, with a program for college-age Jewish youth. Um, and he starts wanting to think about having a, a, a campus in Southern California. My grandfather's on the board and his name is on the deed. That's the property where I grew up going to summer camp. Um, where my father went to, you know, to BCI uh, in the summer one year. So learning about uh, Judaism, uh, having, you know, the holidays at home um, was just part of, again, another part of life. Um, 
And were you very much aware of kind of the very narrow escape from the Holocaust with some of your relatives? Can you talk about that history? Well, a little less aware of that. I mean, the, the reality is, is that, well, uh, my mother was born in Colombia uh, uh, to her parents escaped there, get, got there from Poland well before the Holocaust. But a lot of her family was not able to get out of um, Poland at that time. And, and her family is largely wiped out um, mm. uh, other than, you know, my mom and her sister and, uh, you know, some cousins who made it to Israel. Um, so there is that connection. But we grew up a little more distance from that family. Um, and the Lemley family was largely able to escape. Um, my grandfather, uh, you know, came to America in 1938. Um, his brother had come years before that. Um, they were able to get their parents out of Germany, um, even after Kristallnacht. Um, you know, it wasn't, <laughs> you, you forget, it wasn't always about getting out of Germany. It was about where you were going. And of course, U.S. immigration policy at that time uh, was not very receptive, um, which is why Carl Emley was successful. Uh, you know, he did not actually provide affidavits for my family, um, but he did provide affidavits for many people who needed it because they didn't have a family that was already here. So Carl's the one who's running Universal. Carl is right. the one who was running Universal. At this point, he was not running Universal. Um, he uh, he had lost control of the studio. Um, but he still used the, you know, wealth and power that he had to, I mean, he provided affidavits for hundreds and hundreds of families, Raphael. So. Wow. And Rafi, can you say why you chose to open the film or have it very early with the Shabbat dinner, establishing kind of that family picture of faith and humor, by the way, and food? Yes. Yeah. Yes. On all counts, um, particularly the humor. I, I, um, you know, there's my my father's family was uh, were Ukrainian Jews who also uh, came to America. I also had family in the Holocaust. My uh, my family had come before the Holocaust and opened the Schmata business. You know, uh, and and there was something about uh, Greg's family that felt like mine. Um, uh, it, it it felt warm and inviting and um, and smart and 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 caring and um their faith was really connected to that and it 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 touched my heart uh there's in the making of a documentary there's so many opportunities to potentially gallop towards some bright shiny object uh that's interesting that comes up as you're as you're sort of assembling and or shooting and in in this case, because we shot it over two and a half years, there were many, 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 um, including you know a whole other larger chapter about Carl Emley again, sort of extended family, but you know, interesting, fascinating. Um, and the only way that I was able to hold on to the reins um, of the story again, as we traversed the sort of uh, mountain after mountain, um, was holding on to the family. The family was the center, the cornerstone of this. And, um, and it, it really, uh, the family, the family mission. And again, because Greg's faith and his family's faith is so integral to who they are, um, it, it just somehow was a way to kind of keep, it was, it was able for me to keep my feet on the ground. You know, so, I, go, so go ahead, Greg. Yeah. I just want to say, I, I guess just thinking about it, um, you know, the idea of Morasha, of, um, you know, an inheritance, but also an obligation. Um, and that was something that resonated for me. Um, 
as I started learning more about the Jewish tradition, um, you know, we're not particularly observant, but um, but that this gift of being Jewish and all the richness that comes with it also comes with certain obligations, obligations, you know, of how you behave in a community setting and the things that you try to do to uplift the community and contribute. Um, well, I would just also add, Greg, this is maybe, you know, my overlay of being kind of an armchair Jewish psychiatrist, but watching <laughs> how much how much this the, these theaters are kind of like synagogue. They are communal spaces. I mean, one person, I think, in the documentary calls it church. Yep. There is something sacred about watching a film together, about being in the dark and experiencing an emotional ride like your theaters give and the intimacy of them. These are not the huge... You know, you've got your your reclining chairs um, and choosing, you know, re reserving your seats in advance iteration of films. It's what we what I grew up with. So there was some sacredness in that and, and that you gather people. You know, I think that's one thing that Judaism still does is that we have to show up for it. And it's part of what I think as we segue into the difficulty of the how the streaming business affected yours it just separates us, right? It isolates us. We can watch anything on our own time. We can exercise on our own time. Um, what forces us back together? Obviously the pandemic is the whole other kind of forced isolation. But then the fact that I watch you hold on to this business, almost like I have a responsibility to people and to this heritage and to this family. I mean, all of it felt very kind of Jewishly oriented to me. I just would love you to react to that. Yeah, I'm, I'm always careful about, you know, calling a certain, you know, a, oh, you know, I love being Jewish because I love the food. Well, every every culture has its great food and every culture, right. you know, I, I, I think every culture values family. Uh, you know, yeah. yes, maybe if, if, you know, we certainly tend to favor learning. <laughs> I will say that historically speaking, that was an With important. a lot of guilt, a little so more guilt. But, you know, <laughs> I've met plenty of guilty goyim. <laughs> and I don't true. mean guilty because they did something wrong. <laughs> Maybe guilt around learning. Guilt around learning. Have you learned but, enough? You know, yeah. Is it, I, I, look, it's a family business. It represents the ethos of the family. The family is Jewish. It's going to represent the, you know, a Jewish ethos and, and, and relationship. Um and some of that will also be, you know, this, this feeling of being an outsider. Um, mm. You know, I, I, um, I a year or two before the film started, I've, I'd gone back for the first time to the village where the Lemley family originates from in Laupheim, Germany, and, and saw five, six generations of Lemleys in the in the Jewish cemetery there. Um, so, and and Carl was Carl Lemley, you know, after. Leaving Germany 50 years later, he was still going back to to Laupheim. He was the, the he built a you know a bathhouse for the community, which was you know an important thing at that time. Especially he he helped bring the community back post World War One. Um, so you know this connection to this place also, and for me that was about a connection to Los Angeles. This is the Los Angeles is the city for better or for worse where my you know my grandfather and his brother decided to start this business. And it, it's provided for us a home for us for fifty plus years at that point, seventy years, seventy five years. Um, how could I? How could I leave that? Yeah. You know. So, Ralphie, just the turn that it takes in the film is twenty nineteen. It seems like that's where the headlines, am I right, come out that the business might be in trouble. Can you just talk about just that inflection point, that turning point? And then maybe segue into COVID because these seem to be sort of like dual crises 
hitting the family and the business at the same time or consecutively. Right. right. Well, I mean, it's important probably to say up front, you know, I approached the family about doing the documentary. I approached Greg and uh, Greg told me about his his great aunt who was 103 at the time and his dad was 85 going to work every day. And, um, and I based upon um, my father had passed very quickly based upon sort of the urgency of the moment. I jumped into making sure that we captured them on film uh, because Greg assured me that they were doing great and they were in wonderful shape. And I said, wow, we got to go. Um, I did about 10, 12 interviews and, and was sitting with the footage and had no really I I sort of left before I really had an idea of where the where the where the story was and and I guess the so-called as they say in screenwriting inciting incident in this case was Greg's phone call to me where he said look um I need to tell you this is that I we're we're uh, we're going to pursue exploring selling the business and and um you know again for your listeners who may not have been to Los Angeles um who may not know the Lemley theaters these theaters and there's seven seven of them i guess currently they're cultural institutions it's so much more than a movie theater um and and that's partially because of the programming and 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 all the extended things that they do with the business um which is you know live music and all sorts of q and a's with directors and actors and 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 again programming that's that's really speaks to one's head and one's heart and is not really focused on you know people in superhero costumes. It really is a sort of, a, you know, it's a thinking man's uh, and woman's uh, place to be. Um, the loss of that, uh, the potential loss of that for a city that's obviously um, not necessarily known for its culture um, is in this case, uh, epic. It was an epic moment. And, and so I said to Greg, look, um, not to be, well, first of all, my response was, oh my God. And then the second response was, look, not to be mercenary in any way about this, but would you be open to us continuing to follow you through this process? Side note, Greg provided, Greg and the family gave me full access to sort of do this piece. Um, there was, however, absolutely not a scintilla of uh, editorial control in the making of this. Um, Greg insisted that he see the movie for the first time in front of a large, uh, a live audience um, at wow. the Santa Barbara Film Festival when we premiered, um, which I, I, you know, ha had to have been somewhat of a traumatic moment because it's so, I mean, we all went through the pandemic. We all went through, we've all been through difficult times. Greg was willing uh, to do this on film and in a very open and vulnerable way. And um, just because we're just a little pressed, I want to just go to Greg on that for a second please. in terms of just the the intimacy of this filming. And I want to talk about Tish, your wife, a little bit, who to me is just incredible in the film. And she's <laughs> yes. just so honest. And I mean, so I just related to her and related to her worrying about you. Um, and with all due respect, you do sort of age in the film because the stress is so clearly just enormous and it's kind of all on your shoulders. Can you just talk about if as honestly as you can, just in terms of your relationship and how much she was saying on camera, was there a moment where you were like, this we're sharing, we're oversharing? Not about any of the, you know, specifics of what was happening. I, I mean, look, I tend to be a, a retiring person. <laughs> uh, my wife, you know, thinks I'm always editing my comments before I say something. Um, 
<laughs> which I probably am doing right now. Um, but in terms of the process, no. Um, we were, you know, look, it was a story about a family business. And this is one of the things that family businesses go through. So right. I, I've seen a lot of documentaries. Uh, I can tell the difference between, I think I can tell the difference between what's a real story and, and when someone is, you know, uh, you know, trying to make things seem the way they, you know, it, different from reality. Um, and I, I certainly didn't want to, that was never the intention of the film. And, uh, and I, and I certainly didn't want to treat it that way. I guess. No. And the honesty, it yeah. comes through and it's why I think it's powerful. It doesn't feel like anything's packaged. And Rafa, when the, when the pandemic happens, you have an extra challenge now because not only is the business further stressed, but your filming ability is, is complicated, right? Everything now has to be virtual. How did you manage that? Right. Well, we did uh, quite a few interviews on Zoom. Uh, we did weekly or biweekly interviews with uh, with Greg uh, for for weeks and weeks. Um, I was able, you know, kind of perhaps maybe the upside of some of this is I got access some to some ex- some astounding filmmakers who talked to us, including Cameron Crowe and Ava DuVernay and James Ivory and um, you know Allison Anders, Nicole Holof Center, wonderful filmmakers. Yeah, there's great In many interviews. Cases, great who, interviews who, with who, filmmakers who care about. Lemley Theaters. Yeah, truly. And we're inspired by Lemley Theaters or talk about how important movie going to the movies is and and how that inspired them as artists and, and made them want to become filmmakers. Um, uh, and and so, you know, it, I had a very I had literally two crew members because uh, I was in New York at the time. I live in New York and, and basically they would go out masked and shielded and, and basically, you know, safe distanced. And and we did interviews on, and or I flew out and would sort of wander the streets and sort of got some of the footage of kind of what the city looked like, kind of the barren, the barren landscape of Los Angeles. And, and I, um, you know, it. it the pandemic plays into the story, right? Um, but what also happened as we evolve this is that this larger conversation about what is the future of exhibition? Where are movie theaters going? Why are movie theaters important? Why should we even care when we can watch it on our watch or on our cell phones? You know, what's at risk here? And beyond the headlines, right? Beyond the, oh, you know, Regal or, you know, whatever, AMC, you know, shock stock prices, this is a family who for generations have cared about filmmakers, the art of film and the audiences who love them working, struggling, you know, at times suffering, um, uh, but, but caring about, about this. And, and, and the, perhaps the opportunity was again, as we backed into this zeitgeist um, to really sort of illustrate why it's important. And I've been so touched by people who've seen the film of like, I, I haven't been back to the theaters. I'm, I'm going to go back or I, I, I'm only going to go to lovely theaters <laughs> or, you know, or, you know, it really has reminded me why this is important and, and what this is about. And, and, and that was, um, you know, again, that, that evolved, that was not a vision that really evolved in the story as we, you know, found the statue in the stone as it were, but, but that, that's the, that's the story that this family got to tell and, and their caring and their passion and their faith. And, and in, in this case, I think Greg's enormous fortitude and strength and, and um, uh, just, a, it, it, you know, it, it's, it's moving and has, and has continued to sort of translate to hopefully, um, you know, a, a place where people remember how important going to movies is. So, Greg, I guess finally, I just love that scene um, when and I'm not going to tell the audience because I want them to watch this. How do they watch this, by the way, Rafi, on Amazon? 
Yes, Prime. at the moment, um, you can watch it on Amazon. Um, it's also on uh, on DVD from Kino Lorber, which has lots of extras and lots of other additional interviews in it. Um, right, we'll put and that on the screen. Great. I'll give you the information. Yeah. But Greg, there's this wonderful scene when you're when you're back in the theaters after the pandemic, and you have this, uh, you're reinstating this annual tradition uh, to do a sing along, Fiddler on the Roof, <laughs> on Christmas Eve, which I just wish I could experience sometime. I'm sure that's epic, and it's a full theater. Um, obviously, again, for JBS audience, it just makes so much sense that Fiddler would be the choice on Christmas Eve. Um, you said you see something differently in the movie every time it plays. Just thinking about this documentary and what you went through over the course of the two and a half years that Rafi was shooting, can you just give us a little bit of a sense of just the poignancy of that reunion? Oh, um yeah, very specifically that. Um, look, if I didn't run Lemley Theaters, I, I don't know that I would have that opportunity to to be. I, I, look, we can always have that opportunity to be in community, but to feel like, you know, this is happening because I'm making it happen. Um, and it just feels fabulous, <laughs> you know, to 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 see all these people who've come together for something um and uh, are able to ex you know express their joy their love of community their sense of of self um and how that you know sense of individual self you know is a part about coming together in a place um so to and to think that yeah that uh, you know i made this happen that feels really great for me well you made so much happen and continue to Thank you for being here, Craig Lemley. Thank you, Raphael Sparge. It's nice to see you after 40-something years. I won't <laughs> give the exact date. <laughs> um, we're going to put on the screen how people can watch the film. The feature film is called Only in Theaters, and it's worth watching with your families. I'm Abigail Pugrabin for In the Spotlight. Thank you for being with us, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>